Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Bible Immersion Podcast by the Well Madera, where we exist to point people to the hope and love and the wholeness found only in Jesus Christ. And the heart and the vision of this podcast is to do that by showing how every single story of Scripture snaps together to shape the one true story of Jesus. And we're calling this podcast Bible Immersion because we recognize that reading the Bible is its a lot like learning a new language. Uh, not only that, it's like stepping back into a completely new and unfamiliar time zone in a culture and a context that expects you to be fluent in their history and cultural traditions and even their inside jokes. And as we all know, the best way to learn another language is to completely immerse yourself in the culture and force yourself to begin thinking about everything through the life and the eyes and the language of that culture. And this is what the Bible is inviting you and me to do. We immerse ourselves in the story and we allow it to shape our identity as we begin to see that even a few thousand years later, we are still living within this same one true story. So as we walk line by line through the scriptures to know who God is and what he's like and what it means to be human as we're shaped by the story of Jesus, come with us and see how this divine gift of the scriptures points us to the past to inspire hope for the future. So go ahead and turn to Proverbs 26, verse 11. And I'm going to forewarn you, this is kind of a gross one to start at 6 in the morning. (laughs) Kind of a gross one, but a a valuable one for us, uh, considering the time of life we're in. So Proverbs 26, verse 11. When somebody gets there, could you read that out for us? As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Yeah. And uh, and Dennis, we only get one proverb this morning? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm I appreciate it. I feel like Dennis and Susan, you guys are the first to read the proverb. I love it. So um, <clears throat> looks like uh, Stephen and, and Laura joining us here. <laughs> Um, so I, I wanted to share share that one. Um, morning, Laura. Good to see you. Um, so, uh, Laura, we're in Proverbs twenty six eleven here this morning as as we get rolling, and I wanted to share that um, with you guys this morning. As as gross as it may be at six a.m., I think it's a very vivid picture of how also. Not only like a dog returns to its vomit, but how a fool returns to his folly, how easy it is us as humans to want to go back to the old way of things, go back to the same mistakes, go back to the same habits and routines. And I was thinking about that, that, you know, I hear a lot of people using the language of can't wait for things to get back to normal. Um, and I, I think it's so human for us, right, amidst coronavirus and just life has changed so much so rapid, rapidly in the past month or five weeks for each of us that there's this this feeling as a human being, we want stability, we want security, we want to go back to the way things were. 
But I've also been making note of, of all the positive things I've seen in us as a culture and a society being forced to slow down, um, not, um, you know, all the sporting events and all this stuff being kind of closed down. As much as we look forward to some of that stuff starting back up, I, I think it would be foolish for us to just go right back into the rat race of the busyness that, I mean, think over the past, um, and some of you that are older than me, you, you could probably reach farther back, but I just think back past the past 10 or 20 years, when you ask people how are they doing, right after they say, oh, I'm good or I'm okay, what's the next response typically? It's, oh, really busy. We're really busy. And I think that's become like our mantra is that we're just busy. And, uh, and we all know that we're too busy, but we don't know how to change it. And I think coronavirus has, has forced us to change that. Um, and so I was thinking about Proverbs 26, 11 and just thinking, how could we not be foolish? And when things do get back to a little bit of a new normal, how could we refuse to go back? How could we refuse to go back to the old, fast, furious, um, like dizzy type of pace that we were all living before? And how could we continue to find our new normal but live in, in, a, in a healthier kind of rhythm and pace of life? Um, so you guys probably know the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and over but looking for different results and um, one of my go-to sayings that has meant a lot for me is that um, experience does not lead to wisdom. Evaluated experience leads to wisdom. And there's a difference. Some people go through a lot of experiences, but they never grow wise because they keep making the same old mistakes. Like a dog returns to its vomit. Um, but those who go through experiences and then pause and think, man, what did I just go through and what can I learn from it? And how could I respond differently next time I go through something like this? That's where wisdom comes from is, is what the Bible tells us. And so I want to just put Proverbs 26 out there this morning and uh, just say, man, let's be thinking about how we can choose wisdom rather than folly and not return to the old way of doing things, but maybe a, a new and better way that could be in front of us. So any thoughts you guys have on that as I uh, rattle on about it? Just a very uh, appealing and attractive proverb this morning. <laughs> Dave, I think, I think when you <clears throat> talked about um, how we, we, we talk about how busy we are, um, the question is, are we going to return to the same busyness that oftentimes is filled with folly? Mm -hmm. um, or are we going to fill that time with, with, uh, as, as we, we move into a different type of, different type of world, are we going to fill that time with things that matter? Yeah. You know, I know, I know that's a struggle for me. I've, I've, re I've recognized thinking, you know, when this thing started, um, man, I get, I get tons of time to, to, to sit and read God's word. But what I found is I'm not doing it any more than I was before. And right. so that, that's a little bit of a disappointment for me. And so I'm hoping that at some point, uh, you know, that changes for me. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. Any, anybody else have thoughts on that? Morning, Carol. Yeah. Morning, Carol. Morning. I think Karen joined us as well. 
Yes. All right. Morning, Karen, as well. Um, we're we're just wrapping up here. Um, Proverbs twenty six eleven this morning. Just a little conversation about Proverbs twenty six eleven before we roll to Genesis three this morning. So, any other thoughts you guys have on on that proverb? <laughs> Awesome. Well, let me pray for us. And then uh, Sean and I were talking a little bit last night. I just want to kind of share a little bit about our heart uh, for and kind of mission for, for this class and, um, and some, some, some steps forward we're going to be taking. Uh, so let me pray for us. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we'll be in uh, Genesis 3 this morning. So, Father, we uh, just humble ourselves before you. And first and foremost, foremost this morning we we just recognize that you are holy 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 um the whole earth is full of your glory and as we study genesis i think about how you want to fill the earth to the ends of the earth with the glory of your image and that we get to be that image those images where your glory spreads throughout the earth so that People see uh, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control of the life of Christ in us and through us, and they see your glory. And so I pray that here in Madeira, um, we could fill Madeira with your glory. Um, so I'm so thankful that we get to open up your word and study uh, the first couple pages of the Bible to, to learn and, and to desire to be filled up with your life so that we might fill the earth with your glory. Uh, how awesome would it be to see Madeira look on and be humbled by and attracted to your glory, God. So that's our prayer. We need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, Sean and I were talking a little bit uh, last night, just kind of returning to our, our focus as, um, um, as a group or as a class here at 6 in the morning on Thursday mornings. And as of every life group, every discipleship group, um, every equipping class that we do here at the Well Madera, our goal is to be disciples who make disciples. And We've defined discipleship as helping uh, others learn to live and to love. Here comes grace. Um, we've just defined discipleship as helping others learn to live and to love like Jesus. And that's our goal is together this lifelong pursuit through our time in the word, time in prayer, time in community like we're doing this morning, that we learn to live and to love more like Jesus every day. Live in obedience to the word of God and love others more than ourselves the way that Jesus has shown us. That's the way of the cross, the way of the resurrection. And so um, that's our goal. And Sean and I's desire is really not to just get up at six in the morning and teach you guys the whole time. Um, our desire and kind of dream for this class is interaction for engagement. And so I just want to say, I know I've been stressing it, but the past couple of weeks, I've really enjoyed the engagement. We've opened the word, Sean's been teaching and people have been chiming in. And I, our desire is to just see that grow and grow and grow to where like we described, it's a little bit harder on Zoom, but maybe back when we're back in a classroom, almost like a family dinner table where people are, are 
constantly but politely interrupting each other because they've got the next thought or the next story they want to tell. That's our desire for this class. And you guys might, Sean and I were joking about this, but you guys might be a little bit tired of hearing Sean every time he starts. Okay, guys, uh, tell us tell us what happened so far in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, or, you know, catch us up. You might be tired of hearing him ask you to summarize the first couple chapters of Genesis. Well, I want to encourage you and let you know that he is going to be relentless. Um, <laughs> he is going to ask that question every week. And the reason is, in our mission to be disciples who make disciples, I think it's a swing and a miss if if Sean and I teach the whole time. And then let's say six months from now, a year from now, um, we wrap up the book of Genesis together, and none of us were yet able to summarize what we learned. And the ability to summarize really shows that we've integrated it, that uh, I think, Sean, the way you said it last night is it's... It's we now are, are beginning to understand the concepts, not just the facts, and we we're really beginning to wrestle with the story. And so, one step moving forward that we want to take together as a class uh, that I think is going to be really fun is each week we're going to just ask one person to come ready to share just a brief summary of what we've learned in the story so far. Um, so one way to think about it this way, let's say, uh, Karen, I'll, I'll pick on you. Um, and, uh, and, and let's say that next week it was Karen's job to bring that summary of what has happened so far in, in Genesis one through chapter three, verse seven, right? Then Karen would come next Thursday with just, it could, it could be one sentence. It could be a paragraph. It could be a a minute or two of just saying, here's, here's what we've talked about so far in Genesis. And so um, that's, that's what we want to do. We want to really kind of lovingly push each other to know how to open the word and just begin to talk about it. Cause our goal would be that every single one of you um, would would feel confident enough by the end of this class to pull somebody in your life next to you and say, "Hey, let's go through Genesis together. Let's. I want to relearn it. Let's let's learn this thing again." And that you would feel confident enough to do that would be awesome. That's that's our goal. That's our desire. So we're going to push each other to do that a little bit. Um, and so let me ask uh, on the spot. I, I won't put anyone specifically on the spot, but would anybody be willing to just kind of give a, a brief? summary of of things that have stood out to you so far in the first couple chapters of Genesis and then Sean will will pick up and roll from there. So anyone willing to do that and then we'll talk about our maybe our first victim uh for next Thursday. How's that sound? I want to stress too as as I know you guys are so ready to share, uh, that you're just trying to hold back. Um, one part of what creates, I think a really healthy classroom or group is the freedom to fail. Um, people will not innovate unless we know that we have the freedom to fail. And so one of my favorite professors would always say, Hey, we're going to fail in here so that we win out there. And you guys, I just got to say Zoom and our classroom has to be a place where we can fail together and be afraid to ask a dumb question or say a dumb thing or say it wrong and be like, ooh, that's not at all right, but I said it anyway. 
and and to feel like maybe it flopped a little bit, but so that we can win out there and we're going to laugh together and then we're going to, you know, ask another dumb question or make another comment that might be a little off and we'll, we'll help each other grow. So I just really want every person to know, like, let's have the freedom to fail in here, to speak up and to be a little bit off and we'll help each other uh, back towards the truth. So I'm going to ask somebody right now uh, to take the risk of the freedom to fail right now. So somebody tell me what you have seen in Genesis so far. Um, for me, I've seen, uh, well, the creation mm-hmm. of everything from nothing to the heavens, the stars, uh, animals, Adam and Eve. Um, then I've seen, well, then, uh, of course, um, a heavenly place, the Garden of Eden, and a unity uh, relationship with Adam and Eve. And then um, uh, Satan or mm-hmm. the serpent, and then separation and division from Adam and Eve and God. Nice job, Grace. Thank you. Thank you so much for being willing to jump in and go first. Sorry, Sean, I, I interrupted you. No, I was just saying that that was that was perfect. Thank you. That's awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else have anything that they that's maybe stood out to them over the past three chapters <clears throat> that they would be willing to share? Um, I just want to thank Grace for doing that. Good mm-hmm. job for stepping up. Mm-hmm, thank yeah. you, Grace. For me, it's the um, some of the words ruach, tohu, vavohu. The, the different terms kind of bring a a depth to my understanding. Those are terms that I had not. Um, been familiar with so some of those are just bringing a depth to it mm-hmm. that I appreciate yeah and and um, Karen what's really neat about that is we're going to see those same concepts play out uh, through scripture over and over and over again um, so yeah I'm glad I'm glad that stuck with you um, okay so last week we um we got to see Adam and Eve standing in front of uh, in front of a tree um, with a decision to make whether they're going to trust God for their definition of good and evil or whether they're going to define it for themselves. And we know that uh, we know that they chose to define it for themselves. They chose to to um, choose or as, as uh, Mackie would say, seize autonomy. And and define good and evil for themselves, um, and we saw them um, make loincloths for themselves. Previously, they were naked and not ashamed, and now, once this took place, they were naked and ashamed, and they attempted to clothe themselves. So here we are, picking up in verse eight. Um, would somebody mind reading verse eight through thirteen for me, please? I can do it. Um, And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. 
He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So in verse uh, 8, it says they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Um, what do you guys think that sounded like? What a nice day. Hmm. What's that? It was a nice day for a walk. <laughs> a, nice day, a nice day for a walk in the cool of the day. Maybe it was um, in the morning. Like what's that? Maybe it was early in the morning. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. What What would make you guys think that it was uh, nicer in the maybe in the morning? Cool of the day. Cool, and he was up for a walk, looking for them. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's interesting that word "cool." Um, Karen talked about it just a little little while ago um the word is the word that's, uh, that that is translated cool is ruach does anybody remember what ruach means we, we talked about it in genesis 1 and we talked about it in genesis 2 as well um there's a little concept there does anybody remember what ruach means? how do you spell that r-u-w-a C-H. Breath of God? Yeah. Yeah, the breath of God. What else is it, Dennis? Do you remember what else it is? No. The, the life of creation? Okay, yes. The, the creative spirit of God, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so some, some would say that this scripture, this particular portion of scripture is conveying that God revealed himself in like the comfortable part of the day. And that's very possible. But we know based on the context of it and the word that's used that, that what's being conveyed <clears throat> is that um, it's the manner in which God revealed himself. Um, I, don't think, I don't think it's a time or comfort thing. Uh, I think it's God revealing himself through ruach or his wind or his spirit. And so could it be that, that God actually took on human form and walked through the garden with Adam and Eve? Absolutely. And some would, some would say that uh, this is pre-incarnate Jesus, that, that, this is, that, that Jesus took form and, and walked with, with Adam and Eve. But I think the context points more toward the manner in which he walked, which would be through a wind or through a spirit. And, and we see the same concept in Acts 2. Um, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, it says, uh, and a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came. And so we know that the word Ruach and Holy Spirit are the same word, or at least referencing the same thing as we see back in Genesis 1 with, um, it says, uh, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Again, Ruach. So the word cool is translated uh, ruach. Does, does that make sense? Does that concept make sense that mm -hmm. we're seeing a spirit or a wind? Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Okay, um, I have a question on that one. Okay. In verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden, and then the Lord spoke to man. I mean, mm -hmm. verse 9, so, so you're saying he wasn't walking with them physically like Jesus did during his time on the earth? So... <clears throat> Let me fast forward to New Testament. When you hear the concept walking with God currently, like as we do as, as, as uh, post-crucifixion, how, how do we walk with God? In spirit and faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I think uh, to answer your question, again, could it be, uh, that God physically walked with mankind. Yes, it could be, but I don't think the the the, the context of the verse conveys that. Um, I think it's I think it's more. Dave, what are you putting up? Sorry, I just every once in a while as people are asking questions, I'm just gonna kind of throw a, a thought or a, a reference in there that you guys can come back to later. But just yeah, Anne, as you ask that question, and Sean, where you're going with it, I just completely agree. I, I think. Paul especially picks up on this language a lot in Romans 5, 6, 7, 8, but then Galatians 5 specifically, which is really cool. If you connect it back to the garden, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And we've kind of already talked quite a bit about how you and I are a lot like trees uh, in our original design of how God created us. Um, but then he, this line he uses that I just love, I pray this often, is he says, you know, as you're filled by this fruit of the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Basically, walk with Him step by step. If you want to be filled with love, joy, peace, patience of Jesus, walk in step with the Spirit. So it's just such a, it, to me, it's Genesis, you know, 1, 2, and 3 all over again. Like we're being returned to that walking with Him in the cool of the day. So that's, that's all. What, what, what is that? Um, I'm sorry, what verse was that? Uh, Galatians 5, 22 through 26 talks about the fruit of the Spirit and then living by the Spirit and walking or keeping in step with Him. So, so yeah, if it's not too much of a distraction, Sean, are you okay? And, and you guys okay if as you're teaching, I'll just drop a, a reference here or there. If you reference it, I'll just put it in the notes so that you guys can jot it down if you want. Is that all right, Sean? Yeah, if okay. you wouldn't mind, maybe... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, jumping in and letting letting me know or letting us know how that plays into the conversation okay. so that we start because as we talked yeah. last night, day part of the class is to help yeah people help people connect with with the New Testament yeah. and so I just so don't want it to be a distraction so if it distracts at all I won't do it but if it's helpful for people to be like oh yeah I'll connect that to Galatians five great if not then I I don't want to distract so. Cool. For me, it's helpful, so then I could um, look it up later. Okay, cool. And I agree with Grace. I appreciate the New Testament connection to the Old Testament. Okay, uh, awesome. I, I appreciate it. Cool. Yeah, thanks. Um, okay, okay. I'm still not quite. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate you. <laughs> this is my game. And I like the questions you asked last week. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, because I, I brought up that word last night. But I was reading more into it, and and I was, like, looking through to see, like, was that the only time God appeared 
to man. And there were like other um, other verses in the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament, where and it said that God actually appeared to certain, you know, um, people in the Bible. But there were times also when he did not appear in physical form because like with Moses, he only appeared as the burning bush. Um, with the priest in the tabernacle, he would only be there in spirit and only, you know, selected priests would be in, you know, allowed to be in his presence, that type of thing. That's why I'm a little, like, caught up with that walking in the garden part. Mm -hmm. So to me, that is, like, physical uh, appearance to Adam and Eve. Am I making myself clear? Yeah, I think so. Um, You had said that God appears in other parts of Scripture uh, to mankind, but each time God appears, it's always in some form other than a human form. We see, you know, the burning bush. We see wind. We see those kinds of things. We see light. Um, But unless it's unless it's Jesus. We, we don't see God the Father appearing, at least not that I can ever remember, Dave. Is, is there anywhere you can remember? Let me unmute. No, no, I'd agree. You see oftentimes, it, and I think what you might be referring to, and man, your question's a good one because I'm feeling a little bit on my heels too, trying to think about, man, is this a physical walking or a spiritual walking, you know, in the garden? Um, is... is Throughout the Old Testament, you'll see the angel of the Lord. There's all these really cool stories where uh, people think they're interacting with the angel of the Lord or an angel. And after either in the middle of the conversation or towards the end of the conversation, they fall on their face on fear because they realize they were just talking with Jesus. You know, and it just blows their mind. And so that was a physical like interaction with Jesus. But I would agree with you, Sean. I, I don't. You don't see, you know, physical interaction with God the Father, or physical interaction with God the Spirit. You either see the Spirit come on people or or with people, um, or you see Jesus interact with people. But yeah, it's a good question, Anne. Are you um, are you kind of wrestling, Anne, with like that? Is that kind of the heart of the question? Is is this? Um, God yeah. physically with Adam and Eve here or the, the spirit of God? The physical form of yeah. God. Mm-hmm. So just to, just to clarify, him, your question is, uh, we know that God walked with him and we know that there was a presence of okay. some sort because it says they heard the sound of him and they hid from the presence. So there was something. I just want to be clear. Is your question... Uh, your question is, was the presence a physical, like, human form? Mm-hmm. Is that what? Yes. Okay. Because I'm looking at some verses in the Bible where it says, God appears to Adam and Eve, God appears to Cain, God appears to Abraham. And then there's other verses where it says, appearance um, through an angel, appearance in a, mm-hmm. in a dream, <clears throat> appearance in vision. But... Specifically for Adam and Eve and for, let's say, Abraham, it's like it said appeared Mm -hmm. and spoke to them. So I'm thinking physical, you know, appearing to them physically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I would say there's no. I get what you're saying about the spirit of God. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say there's no question that he appeared. I think the 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 question is in what form did he appear? Okay. Yeah. Does does that help? Yeah. Okay. I think if if we're humble enough to admit it, and you're asking a really good question, and we don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, I, I think it's kind of like, I mean, I remember having this question quite a bit as a kid um, and continue to of like, if God spoke to the prophets so that the prophets could then speak to the people of Israel, you know, you think of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, right? Like God spoke to these prophets and then they spoke to yeah. the people. Like, was it an audible voice? Did he just kind of impress it on their minds? Did God actually come to them in appearance and talk with them face to face, you know, or, you know, that. So I don't know. I, I think it's such a good question. <laughs> so if somebody has the answer, I look forward to, to hearing it because it's a great question, man. Yeah, yeah. Anything else in there? Yeah. Just one off the wall thought. What makes anyone think that God didn't observe what had happened? Like a, he already knew what had happened when he when he walked in there and said, "Where are you?" He already knew. He watched it happen. Yeah, Dennis. Just just a quick question <clears throat> back to you. When he asked, and we're jumping ahead a little bit, and that but that's okay. Well, we can we can rotate back. When he asked the question, "Where are you?" What was he asking? I mean, did he not know where Adam was? Of course he knew where he was. Yeah, he knew. But the question was, why are you hiding from me? He already knew why he was hiding. He already knew what had happened. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he was testing their honesty. Okay. okay. But uh, yeah, they, a good he wouldn't have known right from wrong before, <laughs> before the serpent talked to Eve and... And then Adam threw Eve and got under the bus, and all of a sudden Eve points a finger and says, "It was the serpent who made me do it." Yeah. No, I don't think so. I want to go back to your question. Um, where are you? Uh, I think I think you're dead on when you say he was testing Adam. Um, but what was he testing? What, what was he? What, what do you think God's motivation for asking that question was? His honesty. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he wouldn't have known to be dishonest. <laughs> he would. He wouldn't have known how to lie. Serpent. Well, after lie. He, I think after he took from the fruit, it just happened. Because he knew the difference between right and wrong. Mm -hmm. Yep. Dennis, let me ask you this. Circle back a little bit when it says the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. So in the past, we see, or, or at least the scripture conveys that there was a strong relationship that Adam talked with God, that God was with Adam. And now all of a sudden they hear the sound of God walking in the garden and they hide themselves from his presence. What, what 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 do you think motivated them hiding then if they didn't know? Well, he they it's a child's mentality. He, they didn't want you know they knew they did something wrong and now they're hiding because but, oh, if you can't see me, I didn't do it. 
So scroll back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So scroll back to last week when they were standing in front of the tree. You said they did something wrong. Previous to the tree, they didn't know right or wrong. That's they only, mm-hmm. yeah, they only trusted God for right or wrong, right? Mm-hmm. No, they didn't know. They they wouldn't have been aware of what right and wrong were. They were only aware of the fact that they could do what they could, you know, they could do anything they wanted to do. Right. Except yeah. eat from this tree. And so right. maybe curiosity is what became man's downfall. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. I might say it's, it's pride. Um, and we, we can... Maybe talk about that a little bit later uh, uh, in the. Pardon me. Pride. I don't, Pride. I don't yeah. see that connection. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, let's then real quick. Let's go back through it. What did uh, What did the serpent say to the woman? Um, when he was talking to her, he said, "You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God." What is what is Satan? Um, by the way, this is the conversation we were hoping for. These are mm-hmm. the kinds of questions. Great questions. So, kudos yeah. to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what is what's the question, or what is Satan really putting in front of Eve with that with that statement? Uh, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good. He's really conveying that God's hiding something from you, and you're not all you can be. You could be more than what you are. Do you, do you oh, see that. that? Pardon? I don't get that. I, I don't know that that was the, you know, I don't know that that was their, <laughs> Satan's attempt. I think Satan's attempt was to make them feel that they could be equal. Not that God was hiding anything from them. But if God knows this, why don't you know this? What, what, is, what is he hiding from you? Right. That's exactly right. And so when I say it's an issue, I think it's an issue of pride. Um, I think that that Satan conveyed that there was something more, much like sin always does to us today. It always promises something more. And, and it always promises if we had this, if we did this, we would be happy. If I only did this, it would make me happy. But the truth is, it's always empty. It always comes with consequences. And so when I say it's pride, when Satan says, um, for God knows, suggesting you don't know this, but God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, suggesting that right now their eyes are closed. There's, there's knowledge that they don't have and God's hiding this knowledge. And, and when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you Mm -hmm. will be like God. What was Satan's fall? Do you remember Dennis? You mean why was he thrown out? Yes, because of pride. Okay. What did you remember? What he said? What what his what his goal was? Oh, his goal his goal was always to dethrone God, or to to be like the Most to High, be, to be like Him, even though God created him. And and what is so so if Satan's um, if Satan's move was to be was to be like God and, and, and that was a pride issue. How do you think that translates to what Satan is um, conveying to Eve? It's it's the same thing. 
He's saying, he's telling them, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Yeah. Do, do you see how the pride works in there, Dennis? Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, but, but God had to allow Satan to have that kind of pride to test Adam and Eve. Nothing happens without his knowledge. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Are, are we good on the pride thing, though? Because I, I want to make sure that I answered that question. Oh, I didn't have a question about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not true. I, I, I thought there was. Yeah, I get, it. I get yeah. it. If I could jump in, I would say, I mean, to both your guys' points and, and where I see it going is I, I see a multifaceted, I think, Sean, you led us through this well last week. I see a multifaceted approach from Satan. And doesn't he still do this today? I see him appealing oh, yeah. to human pride. By saying you can be like God, you can be greater than you currently are, right? You can be a better version of yourself. Um, I see him appealing to her curiosity. What What is out there that your eyes have not yet been opened to? I see, um, I see him appealing to whether or not she can trust, whether or not God is good and telling her the whole truth or not. And I see him appealing to the desire for, for power, right? And I mean, you could probably keep listing on and on. I mean, Satan is so clever. In one question, he can appeal to five or six human motives, you know, and just kind of like trigger all these human desires. And that's temptation, is it not? So I, I think it's pride maybe at the base or the root, but uh, he's a He's appealing to selfishness, curiosity, you know, an unhealthy curiosity, mistrusting the goodness of God, the human yeah. desire for pride, et cetera. So I, I see a multifaceted kind of we, uh, temptation going on there. We as parents push our kids in that direction all the time. Do you, do you not push your kids towards getting a college education hmm. so that you can be more successful, so that you can earn more money don't don't we all do that isn't that the main thing you did are going to do with your kids david i mean it's it's the one thing that we did with our kids we pushed them towards getting their college education so they could be financially better off have better jobs and when go ahead when maybe we should have pushed them towards service hmm. above self Hmm. just sorry (laughs) i'm being really quiet because i have a two and a half year old and a nine month old so i i'm not gonna speak from parental wisdom yet (laughs) i'll let you know in about 20 years but no i appreciate the thoughts there i i'd rather learn from the rest of you on that i mean we push our kids to do better in school so that when mm-hmm. they can get go to the college of their choice or our choice or what we can afford, right? what they go into hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars of debt for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. hey, um, can I chime in on that one? Yeah. Because I've got a, a sophomore and a junior who are trying to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. One is not as motivated by school. The other is motivated by school. And I think the Holy Spirit showed me I was doing that, Dennis. Mm -hmm. Um, And the conviction I got is I need to push them to 
listen to what the Holy Spirit is leading them toward. Mm. I need they they need to look at the world differently from a biblical worldview. Um, I think at one point I was doing that, and Jean and I were doing that, but we've recognized security comes from God, and it's a it's hard to let go of that financial security. Um, and I'm I mean I I keep letting them know they need to be financially they need to that needs to be a part of the puzzle. But there are too many people that have taken the American dream, mm. and it's not a dream. It's become a nightmare for them mm. because mm. they've left God completely out of the picture. Mm. And so, yes, I see what you're saying, and I've been, I am in that struggle currently. But m- the conviction I get from the Holy Spirit is that I've got mm. to have them set their eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter mm. of faith, and let Christ guide them where they go. I do think they'll both end up in college, but the goal is not hopefully for either of them going to be the the dollar signs, that mm. the goal is going to be to use the gifts and talents with which they've been created in a manner that honors God, which is something I didn't figure out till probably far too late in life. Mm. Karen, that was so good. That was so good. I love I love what you mm-hmm. said about using the gifts and talents that God gave him because when we go back to, to, to chapter one and we see that we're made in his image and likeness, we we know that our purpose as human beings is to reflect God's image. And so uh, allowing the, the, the spirit to guide that, and that's fantastic. Well yeah. said. Thank you, Karen. I'm, I'm over here taking notes in my journal, so thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, it it's, it's painful because it's trusting God. Mm. And... Some you don't know what the future is, so yeah. If it's a benefit, that it's been a struggle. It's been a, a lifelong struggle since. Well, it's been a struggle for seventeen years figuring out what to do with these little beings that we created <laughs> that have their will of their own. Yeah. And and even if we plan uh, to uh, climb that corporate ladder or whatever it may be, we never know what's going to happen. Look in the situation we're in right now. A lot of the people that, um, it's like the more money they have, the more worried they're stressed out right now. I know a couple of my clients right now are just like so depressed because they have all these investments and all these properties and they can't even pay their mortgage on the all these rentals they own. Mm-hmm. So we never know, you know, we plan and our plans are not always right because we never know what's going to happen, just like what we're mm-hmm. living through right now. Yeah. Can, you guys, can I say that I don't? I don't. I want to make sure that we don't um, paint the picture that pushing for success or being successful is a bad thing because I don't think Scripture ever conveys that message at all. I think success without the proper perspective, kind of what Karen was alluding to, success without the proper perspective is the issue. When when your when your job when your goal is money money money, I think that becomes a problem. But to be wealthy but have a, a, a biblical perspective, I think is perfectly healthy and, and biblical. I don't see anything wrong with that. No, I, I but some but some of the people that I know personally don't, um, I guess, have faith. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, if you don't have faith holding you together right now 
you could really lose it. Mm. Yeah. Scary time. I think, Sean, the, the biggest problem is not with gaining wealth. It's understanding where the wealth, who is providing the wealth for you. Yes. Who is making you the steward of what you've been given. And, and what you can do with it. Yeah, and, and if you remember, if you, if you keep that in mind, then you're going to be a wise steward of what you've been given. Hmm. Yeah, that's well said. Some of us are very, very foolish with what, with, hmm. with what we do with our funds. Some of us are not smart at all. But then we don't, then we don't go to the person who provided it with and go, mm, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. And wait for their guidance. We go, you know, this would be really great if I, if I did this or I did that. Or I help these people or I help those people. So it's forgetting where our, where our wealth comes from. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that as well, Dennis. Well, and isn't that exactly what Adam and Eve did out of the gate is they messed up with stewardship? Mm. Mm-hmm. A true biblical yeah. understanding of stewardship is, is wonderful, but a lot of us, I don't have it. And I'm, I'm something I'm working on right now, but it's something mm. I don't have. They, that's kind of what they messed up on. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that stewardship is something you work on your whole life. I don't think oh, it's, 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 oh, I, oh, this is what I need to do. And then forget about doing it anymore. You, you, you have to, uh, I'm sorry, I'll shut up. And, and <clears throat> it's interesting because uh, when Karen said that the stu- made the stewardship comment, it, it immediately made me jump back to all that God had given he, he had given everything except one tree. <clears throat> and what is it that they focused on? Not the not the, the, the gifts that God had given, but they focused on the single thing that he restricted them from. Well, I, again, I don't think they were focused on it. I think they were led to, fo- to be focused on it. Oh, I would agree with that. Yeah, the serpent, uh, the, the serpent, the serpent pointed, to pointed to it and said, you know, hey, you know what? What about this what one? About this? Mm-hmm. Don't you want to be like God? Mm-hmm. Isn't, it, isn't that what you want to do? I mean, look, look at everything around you. Don't you want to be able to do the same thing? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's very, it, again, it's temptation. So, man, good conversation. God, I know. We didn't, we got like through one verse and I'm totally good with <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Sean, this can is I? What, this is what we're hoping for. It just as you guys are talking, it's cool. I'm just kind of in my journal being a nerd here, but I just so appreciate the parenting thoughts. So I'm just kind of scribbling notes here, but it was pretty cool. And, and maybe you guys already made this connection and I'm just light years behind here making notes. But in Karen's light, uh, in light of Karen's thoughts on parenting and then Dennis, you kind of keep coming back to stewardship and kind of write the question of, well, have we been pushing our kids the wrong way? And I think, well, it's not just wealth we're called to steward, right? The question is, do we see parenting as stewardship? And if we see parenting as stewardship, we don't own our kids. We don't own the right to push our kids towards our agenda or our vision or version of of the future they should have. Instead, like we treat our kids like we treat our money. It's not ours. It's an investment for what God wants to use it for. So I just jotting that down thinking, man, what if every day 
uh, Dennis, to your thought of like a good steward will go back to the person who actually owns the money and say, what would be the best way to use this? What would be a good way to invest this? So what if as parents, we saw ourselves as stewards and we just constantly went back to God and said, what is the best way to raise these little beings, as Karen said, you know, uh, in a way that is what you want to see, God? Your agenda, not my agenda. Your will for their life, not my will for their life. So just kind of trying to full circle connect those dots. But I'm just so grateful for the conversation this morning. Let me ask you something, David. The, the two little people that you have that, mm-hmm. that live in your household, Mm-hmm. Did you give those? Did you give the two of them back to God? Mm-hmm. God gives them to you. Now you are His steward to raise those two children. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and as you go through life, it also gives you the message of, of what God the Father is doing in your life. Mm-hmm. Because as you watch your children grow, and I, I've said this to Sean before, I believe that God gives you children. So you can see things from his perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when you tell your children no, it's not because you're trying to deprive them. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know something they don't know, that, that you are trying to keep them from getting hurt. Mm-hmm. It's like telling them not to eat from the tree of knowledge. Mm-hmm. They do it anyway. Great connection, Dennis. And, and so <coughs> you... you Again, you're the steward. You you're allowed to raise those children mm. with God's guidance. Mm, and, and if you if you use that, I think you're in the end when your children grow up and you watch how they raise their kids, it's a direct reflection on you. Mm-hmm. You know that's you know like I've said a long time ago that grandchildren are way better than the original. <laughs> I'm sure you tell your kids that to their face. Yeah. You get a second job. Do a better job, huh, Dennis? They'll do a better job than I did. Yeah. So, real quick, um, just in closing, our, our two questions that we always pose are what is this, what is the, the, the message today teach you about God? And in light of that, what does it teach us about our relationship with God? with uh as as humans to god um anybody have any anybody have any thoughts yeah um in connection to the discussion that's been going on i think with this pandemic that's going on um i think it's a really strong message from god or a sign from god telling us that we we as people need to get back to basics in life Hmm. and which is foremost is family i think a lot of people have forgotten what it's like to to be parents and to parent their children. They pretty much left the responsibility to friends, to babysitters, to the school. And so uh, so you hear all these stories when school was closed, a lot of these parents were, were um, um, freaking out because they didn't know how to parent their children. So, during this time of the pandemic, I think with quarantine, I mean, it's a really good time for parents and their children to reconnect and away from society, so to speak, so that they can just focus on their own family dynamic and, and you know, uh, get a better understanding of why things are happening. And it's because 
this is God's way of reminding us that we have totally, or we were like veering towards, you know, forgetting who he is and what we're here for. That's my take on that. Anybody else? So I'm going to go back to where are you? Okay. God is, God is a God of relationship, hmm. Elohim. And the sin broke the relationship. And God is saying, where are you? And when I am guilty, feeling sin, I don't want to come back into his presence mm -hmm. because then I have to admit what I've done and I have to reestablish that relationship. And so where are you? Uh, for me, I'll, I'll take that away. Mm -hmm. Where are you? Where am I in my relationship with walking with God? And I need to, even if it's painful, surrender my will to his understanding. As Dennis said, he knows better than I what steps to take, but I've got to be in relationship with him so that I can hear hmm. and know and be guided um, in the stewardship of this life. Um, where am I? Where are you? Because they had broken that relationship. That's kind of where, just in this one verse we've been in, that's, that's kind of my takeaway. Where are you? They had broken the relationship. They need to come back. God is offering. Where are you? Come back. And they, <clears throat> uh, they may not have realized that. Where are you? There's there's so much there mm -hmm. that we um, we didn't get to that I want to revisit that and so um, yeah it's it's good. Would somebody uh, would somebody mind praying us out? Real quick, Sean. Before that, um, once again, Grace, I just want to say thank you this morning for jumping in and giving us our summary, and you did an <laughs> awesome job. And so I just. I don't know. I guys, once again, each week I feel like we're getting better and better at this together. We're just <laughs> this is a joy to hear the questions and the conversation, and for me to get to sit back and take notes about parenthood while you guys talk is so much more fun than me talking <laughs> at you. It's so cool. And so, um, would would somebody be willing to to volunteer and say, hey, next Thursday I'll come with a one word, one sentence, one paragraph, few bullet points, whatever. Uh, summary of, of what we've learned so far in Genesis 1 through 3, 8. Somebody willing to do that? I'll do it. All right, and thank you. Sean and I were talking about it this way. You know, uh, a great way to think about a, a summary is imagine if um, you were inviting someone to join this class for the first time. Now, we've been together for three months or so, I don't know, something like that, uh, two or three months. And imagine if next week was the first time they're joining us. What do they need to know to feel like not completely lost? You know, what if you were on the phone with them and saying, hey, come join our Zoom for Genesis. We're going to pick up in Genesis 3.8. What would you tell them so that they weren't utterly lost? 
so they feel like they could pick up speed. So, and really looking forward to that. No, I'm regretting it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're just talking with a friend, telling them what they need to know to catch up on the story. So we're going to get better at this together. It's, it's, it's going to be fun. So thank you, Ann. Who would, uh, <clears throat> yeah, thank you, Ann. I'm excited to hear what you come with. I'm, uh, not going to give you any help this week. <laughs> I was just going to say, no fair asking the teacher. <laughs> I, I won't, she, she won't cheat. Um, yeah, would somebody, would somebody so, like, run? Talking about cheating, he asked me last night, what questions do you have tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> Make me look good. Yeah. <laughs> you had, you no. had some really good ones last week. Yeah. yeah, way to throw him under the bus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, lob me some easy ones this time, would you? Yeah. <laughs> Make me look good. Yeah. <laughs> so, real quick, the, the reason I asked that question, Ann, is because Dave and I had just got off the phone talking about how to spark conversation within the group. And so, I, I, when you said you had questions, I was like, yes, okay, there's going to be a starting point. So, that's, that's kind of why I asked. And so that I can have softball questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so okay. are, do we, are we just going to recap or are we going to um, read a little bit further? I got to do my homework. <laughs> okay. So Grace, what I would, what I might suggest is um, if, if, if you have the time, maybe at least read the rest of three, but if you have the time, go back and read one through three, because let me tell you, even as t even as I'm teaching this, every single time I go through it, I pick up something new. My notes start as one paragraph, and they literally, it's just note after note. And I'm amazed at what God shows me every single time I go mm -hmm. through this. And I'm pretty certain Dave will tell you the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, keep rereading. That's the beauty of, of Scripture. You read Genesis. Then you go read Romans, and you read Romans, and it reminds you of things in Genesis, and you just kind of do that the rest of your life, and it's really, really fun when you... I just read, I read Galatians. I yeah. looked that up while the conversation. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so who wants to pray us out? Please, somebody. I got it, Sean. Thank okay, you. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, yeah, we just celebrate who you are. And just on our one of our last comments here of, God, I am so thankful that even in our sin, you don't come immediately to condemn us and pour your wrath out on us that we deserve. Um, but instead, you invite us back into relationship through questions. Through questions, you invite us to confession and to admit what we've done and back into your presence. And so I just pray for every single one of us this morning that we would truly believe and trust that, Jesus, your work on the cross is enough, that every sin has been paid for, past, present, and future. So when we sin and we want to distance ourselves from you because we don't feel like we deserve to be loved by you, may we remember how much we're loved because of um, the act of Christ on our behalf. And so we would run back to you rather than hiding behind trees. Uh, we would run back to you and, and, and just admit what we've done 
and and just thank you for your mercy and your kindness towards us um, that brings us running back to you. So thank you so much for this time. Your word is so good and relationship, even through Zoom, uh, with brothers and sisters who love you and love your word is just so much fun. So we thank you and we give you all the credit and the glory in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you.